Attention, please. The show starts in 
So there you go. I hate that uh, Morlando in his home run derby that, that you know the high school home run derby was so short with only two players that it, it was able to be done during a commercial break. I, I, <laughs> so nobody got to see that. I don't understand that. Why not? I mean, yeah, you know. dude. I mean, it was <laughs> give these kids their due. It was like two minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which I didn't yeah, a minute understand. for each, and he's still jacked eight in a minute. That seems like it's crazy, though. Yeah, I, you know, but hats off to him. He's not a big, bold prediction guy, but here's one for you. He ain't ever going to put a Carolina uniform on. No, uh, right. long, as long as he stays healthy, that young man is going to play professionally, and uh, hats off to him. I mean, mm-hmm. wish I could do that. Wish I could do that. So, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but it is still good for South Carolina to have probably one of the top five prospects in high school baseball committed to your to your program. So I, um, I was going to say, is there still is that? If, I mean, it's always positive to have you know highly ranked recruits you know wanting to come to your school. But is there any benefit whatsoever, even if they do get drafted, that you know, hey, these guys were on board because now? For I was looking at it last night. I'm like, wow, we're really behind the eight ball on. Pitching, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're counting on a true freshman to come in. Although you know, from everything I've heard and read, he's good defensively at shortstop. Uh, but man, took a bite. Yeah, they you know they they need arms. They need arms. But um, you know, I think Whittle's been reporting this, and he's 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 dead on. I and mean, today and tomorrow, you're going to see some new names that. Well, throughout the week, because the the way that the this is what Monty was telling me. The, the portal updates, I think it's like 24 to 48 hours. So if you refresh, like you woke up this morning, you're looking at the portal, it might have actually been somebody that jumped in on Monday. Um, so y- you'll have into the weekend, basically, where there will be new names that emerge. And and they got to go get them. You know, they, they have to go get them. And Ty Good is a guy who's interesting, of course. Uh, but... Um, he grew up a Carolina fan, which is that's always good. And he's a CAA pitcher of the year. And, you know, Coach Holbrook has told me time and time again, you know, he really likes his kid. And I, I don't know that Ty Good's going to be a weekend guy, but he's certainly going to be a guy who could come in and eat your weekday innings and then, or maybe be a, a long relief guy in the weekends. They got to have a guy like that. So, but they, yeah, they got to go get arms. I mean, they're a little bit short there and they'll find them. It's just, um, there's nobody who's scouring the country better than Matt Williams and Coach King and Monty right now. Nobody. I mean, they're they're spending yeah. probably collectively between the three of them like 30 hours a day on the portal. I mean, it's nuts what they're doing. But, um, but they'll find them. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Certainly. Uh, but offensively, they've, they've done a pretty nice job on that end. That's for sure. You can make the argument that they're top six in the lineup next year, maybe top seven as good as anywhere in the league. And if you're as good as anywhere in this league, you're as good as anywhere in the country. And um, so we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. Uh, the Nana Sports Chat Box is open. And uh, certainly appreciate all of your comments. And we will scatter those in and out throughout the morning and afternoon. Craig, JC, uh, I think I just mentioned it. He'll be, he should be in any, any minute now. I talked with Mike for a while this morning. And I know him and JC had to finish some stuff up. So, uh, they'll be, should be done here pretty soon. This won't be like last week or the week before where JC said I'll be in late and he never showed up. He ain't going to do that to us today. Um, he'll, uh, he'll be here. Um, <laughs> really looking forward to DC, uh, in as well because he'll be in media days next week. We'll have uh, some 
pretty elite media days coverage ourselves. We were scheduled to be there, had to kind of back out of that with some other commitments for the future of our programming, um, which will be coming down the line. But uh, we will certainly have a a media days, a heavy SEC media days presence throughout the week, Monday to Friday here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show will take a deep dive, uh, at least on the surface, I should say, to the surface questions uh, all across the SEC, not just South Carolina. Uh, so we are um, fired up about that as well. Bruin Nation said, I don't understand why or how we're struggling in NIL compared to Clemson. where the flagship university of this state, three times the alumni. Uh, is it the politicians that ruin, I mean run, our university? Yeah, I, look, I, I think, too, if JC could maybe have we'll have some of it back, he probably would. He was a little bit emotional yesterday on this program about it. I mean, the thing about NIL at South Carolina is um, they, they, there, there is money, okay? But there's NIL is a tricky thing now, Phil. And th- this word disproportionate yeah. has now been thrown around a couple of times over the last couple of days by JC and by Tony. I think Tony mentioned it uh, on the Big Spur this morning in reference to Keelan Adams, more than likely scheduled to publicly commit to Virginia Tech. And we'll see what the – what the future holds. Um, let's let's all, you know, when you put it all into one big cup here, Carolina was really out in front of everything when they released the Park Avenue stuff. Then you had the NCAA come in and squash that, right? So then they were kind of, they were kind of splintered from there, trying to figure out what to do. So you've got Carolina Rise, you've got Garnet Trust, you got all these things, and they're trying to figure out the best way to do all this. And they're working on it, and I know that Chance and those guys are are really trying to get all these things figured out. I'll also kind of bring this to light because it hasn't been brought to light, although it should be. It's July, and if Carolina had played North Carolina this weekend and beaten them in football, nobody would even be talking about this. All right, so there's nothing to talk about. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing to talk about right now. And so this is taking center stage, and it becomes consuming and worrisome to everybody. I, there are so many different ways now to build your roster. And I'm not trying to paint some fake picture out there. I, I don't know what the future holds. I do know this, though. Nothing is just over. There's always going to be players now. You've got two signing classes. You've got the portal. you got two periods with the portal. They're, they're, of course, trying to condense that, which is fine. But that's not going to mean that there's going to be less players in the portal. If anything, there's going to continue to be more players until people or players start realizing sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side. Um, and then you also have s- just different situations, right? So, I mean, you might have a, a collective at one school that's willing to shell out X number of dollars for this player, but this other school isn't because they don't have a need to shell out that number of dollars for a kid at that position. And that's where that word disproportionate has kind of come along. So it's a very splintered conversation to have. Uh, I am I am not on the uh, everything is doom and gloom yeah. side of this thing at all. Um, I, I think that uh, that this you're going to just continue to see a revolving door of situations, and you're really not going to be able uh, to uh, to 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 be able to put a finger on it until there's some type of blanket legislation, which I don't even know if we'll ever get that. 
Um, it's it's a bizarre, bizarre ordeal. And and I've had multiple conversations, Phil, with guys who you know well, uh, who are directly involved in NIL all over the place. And um, and it's it's hard for them to, to to figure it all out. And a lot of the stuff that's happening out there isn't even legal. So yeah, it's a, it's a wild ordeal. But um, I know this, Carolina Rise. And the guys at Garnet Trust, these guys, you know, they're, they're they're working hard. They're doing the best they can. The administration is working on it. And um, they've had some really good results out of this as well. You'll see some of that in the future. And we have certainly seen some of that already. Um, and uh, Carolina football is, I, I would say personally, in a pretty good spot. Where did that come from? Did you just do that? Yeah. I don't think it's, it's, it's not all not all doom and gloom. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah. Was, oh, I, no yeah, I, I like, posted that. That was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> because there was a troll backstage leading <laughs> uh, the chat uh, box, guys. I, I was right. wondering uh, where that was coming from. Oh, I see. I didn't even look Golly back there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let me let me get my inside the Gamecock set set up. I was on J.C. and Morgan mode right there. But, uh, yeah, sorry. We, we were in the middle of a conversation about Forrest Gump, Mike and I. Uh, on our Fiverr and Dimer segment on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and we just had to fit so much in and in so little time that all of a sudden I looked up and it was 1101. And so I apologize. Ah, it's okay. Um, but we, yeah, it's talk about, look, there, there's a big thread on NIL on, on the big spur yesterday. And I answered some questions on it and stuff. And um, I was frustrated yesterday and I want to make it clear because people were blaming coaches for not landing players. Uh, not, I wasn't frustrated with the fan base, wasn't browbeating anybody and saying, go join a collective or whatever. Uh, I was just kind of spitting the facts, uh, with that. And, and I apologize if I came across as, you know, angry with any of you guys, cause you, you guys are great supporters of the game. Cox, great supporters of everything we do, especially myself, you know, and including the collective, the show, the site, whatever. Um, so I certainly wouldn't. You know, I, I it wasn't brow beating the fan base. It's just uh, this is a situation the Gamecocks are in. Um, I saw Wayne said, "Where do you sign up?" Uh, Phil put the link in the chat box. We got lots of membership options, you know, and things like that. So uh, it's good. But uh, yeah, I mean, the sun comes up the next day. Uh, I, I just you know, with recruiting, I'm, I'm with Jamie. Not everything is all doom and gloom right now. Uh, there is a chance things don't go well at all. Uh, but then there's there's other situations like, you know, somebody mentioned Daniel Hill. Well, Daniel Hill's not necessarily an NIL situation. Daniel Hill has someone in his inner circle that really, 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 really likes Alabama. And we all like Alabama, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, if you're somebody from Mississippi, you know, uh, you compare Alabama to South Carolina, you're like, well, you don't get it. Uh, and that happens. And that that's sort of one of those normal recruiting you know, battles that you go through because like I said, I lived through the Alex Collins, uh, Alex Collins running back in Arkansas, right? He's from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. His mom wanted him at Miami. She stole his letter of intent. and wouldn't give it, wouldn't give it back for two days. Man. That was great. I mean, yeah. Man, mom. Uh, <laughs> normally the kid wins out. We all remember Landon Collins, don't we? On national television sure. at the Under Armour game. Uh, committing to Bama and his mom's dressed out in LSU gear going, go Tigers. Yeah. Go Tigers. But, uh, you know, so, so that's the deal there. So, um, 
I, I don't know. And, and, you know, Bruin, I don't think, I don't know that it looks like Hill's going to Bama. I, I just think it's, that's, that's sort of one of those normal recruiting things to overcome. Um, so who knows? Who, who I don't knows think, who wins out? I don't think if that kid commits at the end of this month, I don't think there's anything that's over with that at all. And I was mentioning while you were off the air, JC, that we're, and I know we got to go, so we got DC coming up, but, um, but, uh, it's it's July, and this is going to consume a lot. You get into the fall, you start winning football games and things like that. You know these conversations. Number one, they go away. Uh, they're not totally eliminated, but they definitely wash away with the, with the tide a little bit. And um, and number two, kids things change. Kids start taking visits. Uh, they see teams getting on the field and winning, and they see teams getting on the field and losing. Coaches get fired. I mean, all kinds of stuff happens. And, uh, and and there's just so much that can be changed between. And you got so many ways to put together your roster now. And and one of the other things, too, someone pointed this out to me this morning. For the first time in 15, 16 years, really, JC, you know better than I would, but I, I would go back to that 07 class. South Car- the large majority of prospects that South Carolina is recruiting, they're recruiting against the big dogs in college football. You're going to lose them. And now you bring NIL into this, you're going to lose your fair share of those guys. You're not going to get them all. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll say this too, you know, the other seven class, one of the best players in that class was one of two guys, Steve Spurrier just decided he was going to take that in his 11 and a half or 10 and a half years at Carolina. Uh, there were two guys. One was, uh, Chris DeMarco's nephew, Pat, you know, shoot us. He just called him up, you know, Hey, I just want to offer yeah. you scholarship, Pat, you know, come on. Uh, yeah. And the other one was Michael Skardekia. Nobody knew that they were taking Skardekia. Well, last time I checked, Pat had a lot to do with Carolina winning football games, and Michael won one of them big time, right? Yeah. You know? It <laughs> Matter was after fact, Steve had left. I was on the phone. That's why I was late getting in, Phil. I was on the phone with Pat. And, yeah, uh, I mean. We, we, we were uh, like, oh, shoot, Pat, it's 11. Pat was I, a, go. I think we rated Pat a two. I think, I, and I was at Rivals at the time, so I'll own it. Yeah, I think I did rate Pat a two-star. Boy, you I hope he forgives me. <laughs> awful. Well, I mean, and we and we ranked Mark, the, Mark. Yeah, Mark Barnes and Quentin Richardson were four stars. They were. They they, they, they were bounced pretty quickly. Uh, Joseph Hills, Matt Clements was a four star in that class. So, yeah, that was a, it was an interesting class. But I, I like the quality. And here's uh, here's something else. Back then, you signed large. If you were kind of where Carolina's at right now, you signed large classes with a lot of high schoolers. And then a good chunk of JUCO players and prep schoolers too. Mm-hmm. Now with the portal, you can be very selective uh, with JUCOs. Prep schools don't even really exist that much anymore. Um, <clears throat> exception, of, I guess, Juice Wells came from a prep school, uh, and, um, and and then you could kind of you you don't have as deep of a recruiting board as you once did. Uh, you used to be able to tell, okay, well if they miss on these guys, they've got these guys lined up. I think nowadays coaching staffs everywhere have shrunk it from the high school ranks because they know, well, you know, we, instead of taking a flyer on this kid and hoping and praying he works out, you know, and I'm not talking about developmental guys because you're always going to take those. I'm talking about guys that you kind of know, eh, a lot's got to happen for him to, to make it here. Uh, you know, just to kind of warm bodies, I guess. Well, maybe he'll be a special teams guy. You, you don't have to do that anymore. Because you can go fill the need in the portal, so uh, I understand that it's weird to be in July and be down to like five or six guys you're looking at. 
but that's kind of just the new reality of recruiting. And then you also throw in the early recruiting calendar yeah, uh, and all that. But, but the good news is that, and I kind of like this too, uh, if they do miss on some of these guys, it's going to open up for what I call the late rising sleeper. And I love late rising sleepers. And if you look at the history of this program, there've been many late, late rising sleepers that have gone to the NFL or been great players. Uh, Dino Samuel is one. Sky Moore, he was a late, late take. I still remember Steve Spurrier Jr. texted and he texted me. I'll just be honest. He texted me. He's like, I like that Tyshun Samuel kid. And yeah, Tyshun. People forget Tyshun. that's his name. Tyshun, yeah. <laughs> Tyshun man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember they missed out. The, 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 one of the biggest meltdowns in Big Spur history was was Matt Rowland, who must have flipped to go to Florida. And the Gamecocks just went and signed Sky Moore. Yeah. Uh, they signed Rashad Fenton after losing Mark Fields. Yep. So, yep. look. It all worked out. And so that'll be good like that. And I didn't mean to talk. I know we got Dave coming up. So I'll, I'll shut up and we'll get back to this conversation. We will hit a timeout. The elite of the elite is up next. David Kloniger with the Post and Courier right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. CoastToCoastRealtySC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show. The first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call if you're buying or selling a home here in the upstate, looking to relocate into, I'll give some pause to that, or moving out of the upstate. She'll be happy to help you on both ends of that. 864-414-5271 is how to get in touch with her. Uh, have not yet heard from DC, so we're still kind of waiting, but you okay. should have the link and, and hopefully we'll get in here soon. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll make sure that, uh, that he's, um, that he's got it and then we'll go from there. Um, what time is it? 1127. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that it probably slipped, uh, into his spam if he didn't receive one. Because that happens. The University of South Carolina emails, it always happens. Oh, I don't get through at all. <laughs> and it's from yours. It's, it's yeah, not from me. No, I know. It's yeah, like, mine like, never get to anybody at I the just, university. <laughs> I just think that they just don't like you. They're like German, uh, German, yeah. German guards. They're like, nine? I mean, nine? I've never... I've emailed all of them. Every coach there, every SID, every, I've never had an issue. But for whatever yeah, no, reason, they've, they they've like got it. me on a permanent block <laughs> over there at the university for whatever reason. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. I, I've yeah. got a uh, one of the one of the things that's, and we'll probably be able to stretch this throughout the show today as well. Um, is uh, is, and we'll ask David and see what he thinks. I don't know if he's done his research just yet, but. Is Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells the best wide receiver com- quarterback combo in the SEC? Because I think it is. Well, um, I I wouldn't. I don't know. Who would you put above that? Now, I, there's going to be. So let a me. Three, let me maybe? A proven. A okay. proven connection. Well, that it's. I mean, you could definitely make the argument that it's the best proven connection. The only other one that would really come close is the neighbor's kid and Daniels at LSU. But I'll tell you, yeah. look, the the kid that transferred to Ole Miss, um, Zachary Franklin, remember the kid, the wide receiver from UTSA, mm-hmm. who set like yes. every record ever? Yeah. Sam Jackson Dart, that's going to be interesting to watch in Lane Kiffin's offense. And that, that That's not one that's going to be really popular right now because people in the SEC don't know who this kid is outside of in Oxford. If you're talking about Car- like Carson Beck and Dominic Lovick, it's going to be interesting. Or Ra-Ra Thomas at Georgia. Uh, you know, Joe Milton and Brew McCoy, maybe. Um, or but, who, who's, the, who's the kid they have at Tennessee called Snoop? Snoop Snoop Ennis, something like that? I don't know. Snoop. I don't know. Or did Snoop Ennis play at Florida State in the 90s? I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, – yeah, I mean, there's so many – just about every place. You know, I think Devin Leary obviously will, will hook up with, you know, Baron, Baron Brown and uh, – Barry and Brown and um, uh, Dane Key quite a bit at Kentucky. But, yeah, yeah you, but this, you sort of think about it, yeah. So, I mean, is Juice Wells the best receiver in the league? I think he could be. Okay. Yeah, I think so, too. He's got – he's definitely got the potential to be. All right. I mean, think, think about this. I mean – Juice caught in two games. He caught twenty passes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I mean, it's a very limited in, in some other games. Didn't get targeted against Georgia, which is, I'll never ever ever understand. Um, 
he's a big play waiting to happen. You know, they didn't really even go to him a whole lot until the last two games. And then they got hurt in the bowl game when he was a feature guy. Still 63 receptions for almost 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start talking about an offense where they're going to target him and get the ball in his hands, and he's going to have a supporting cast that's going to keep the heat off of him or whatever. You know, he, he could end up having, you know, being a guy that's the – the, the best in the SEC. I, you know, and I, I, it's funny because I've read all these scouting reports, right? One says he's he's up for one of the fastest players in college football. Uh, another says he's just kind of a possession kind of receiver, not not all that fast. Guys, I don't think there's anything slow about Juice Wells. Uh, you know, he no. may not be a guy that you look at and go, my God, he's fast. But if he gets up in the, uh, he gets in the open field, you're not catching that guy. Kind of like DC. You ever seen yeah, this guy? <laughs> oh, there he is. Sorry. That might have been a while ago. Apologies, uh, gentlemen. I was got caught up doing another story and completely lost track at the time. What you guys hey, talking? About? Well, we're not worried. Oh, that's that's what pays you. you, you I, I was late. Uh, I was late because I was talking about Forrest Gump on another podcast. So. Uh, kind of, hey, you know, filmed and beautiful, so, you know, good stuff. So yeah, both of those excuses, uh, you know, track respectively. Work and Forrest Gump. So, Phil, uh, you and I anyway. are the only ones that even care about this thing. So, who do you th- who do you think would run a faster forty, Cloninger or Perry Orth? Because we saw mm. Perry. Mm. Yeah, Perry's probably still got me, man. My knees ain't what they used to be. But uh, I will say, you know, I'm you know, kicking around on vacation the past couple of weeks. I've been doing a lot of walking, getting my steps in, you know, uh, to, you know, take, taking a little bit of a vacation from from the, the booze as well. So it's like I, I feel pretty good. I feel almost as good as I did when I was 44. I'm 45. Huh? <laughs> we're good. We're good. That's awesome, man. I feel you there, dude. I feel you. Or speak, speaking of booze, or as we call it in our house, coffee or juice. <laughs> see that? See that segue? Um, do Do you think that Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells might be the best wide receiver QB combo in the league? I mean, I can't think of too many others uh, better. Obviously, Tennessee lost a lot with uh, Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker uh, moving on. And, you know, you you figure they've still got other receivers, but nobody like Jalen was. And, you know, the last time we all all saw Joe uh, Milton playing uh, consistently, it did not go very well. Uh, Will Rogers at Mississippi State, great quarterback. But who are his receivers? And they're also moving to more of a pro-style attack rather than the air raid that was favored by Mike Leach, you know, bless his heart. And so you look around the league and say, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, Juice Wells is the leading returning receiver in the conference. Uh, but, you know, with, with Spencer Rattler, those last two regular season games, he played very well. But as, you know, I'm, I'm going to be mentioning a lot in the preseason – we're not forgetting about the other 10 games before it, right? right so, right, I mean, right. obviously you, you hope that, that performance carries over. I think it will, but it was one of those like, yeah, those, those other 10 games, there were flashes of brilliance, but also as the ball coach used to say like, Hmm, oh, why, why, why'd you do that? That, mm, that did why'd not you? look very good at all. <laughs> well, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> he'd always cock that eyebrow after Blake Mitchell threw a particular disastrous pick and like, mm. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you look around the league and uh, of course LSU, you know, and Alabama have got those guys, but they also lost 
uh, several key personnel. So if somebody had asked me, you know, cold right now, hey, Rattler Wells best combo? Yeah, I can't think of anybody Shoot, better. Go for it. Wangman uh, is that his name? Wangman at Texas A&M. Connor Wangman yeah. and uh, Wangman. Evan Stewart. That could be another one that would be sure. in the conversation. But I don't know that I'd take them over over Spencer and Juice just based on uh, that. You know, and I, I, yeah, I'll ask you this: How fast do you think Juice Wells is? Oh man, I mean, I don't know if I could put a time on it, but uh, this actually comes, you know, the day after the Gamecock takeover on SEC Network, and you got to see exactly what he could do. Yeah. Obviously, we've all seen the play where he just caught the ball a step in front of, uh, is it Andrew Makuba for Clemson, Makuba, the corner, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah. and then just immediately cut left and left him tumbling. But it was the touchdown he caught before where if you really watch the play develop from another angle, and when Spencer lets it go, it was, man, where'd Wells come from? Because I remember watching the press, I was yeah. like, who caught that? Because he caught it so quick, or saw the, the touchdown signal, and then dropped it. And what you saw is he flashed to the corner and then cut back and had a step on his man to get that ball on the end line. So he's one of those guys that uh, maybe like Debo Samuel was, he may not win you any foot races, but he's got pulling away speed. You're not going to catch him in the open. Exactly. And well, that's, 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 that's where that's you got to have. There you go. That's who his Nailed speed it. reminds me of, is Debo. Debo. A yeah. lot. He's not, he's well, not 225 pounds like Debo, but he's, right. he's 210. And, of course, now Debo was working out the other day and I think clocked the time of 18 miles per hour. I was like, geez, man. I mean, <laughs> don't get hurt doing that. I need you for 18 games this, or 17 games this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the, the game speed is a big thing because we all remember Troy Williamson who had mm-hmm. flat line speed. He could go, but he – but if you if you ask me who has better game speed, it's probably Juice Wells. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, based on how he plays. And you know, you mentioned yesterday, DC, there is some, this this doesn't really get talked about much because um a lot of the other plays uh stood out a little bit more. This one was didn't matter to the outcome of the game, but before the last touchdown that Carolina scored in the Tennessee game. The third down throw that Rattler tossed down the sideline, he went up and got it. That's a big time. Like, if he can do that in addition to everything else that's in his bag, I mean, he's a, he is a purebred 10-year guy in the NFL. Oh, so sure. He, I mean, and it all comes from that trust you have with your quarterback, and you saw that develop throughout last year with Rattler and Wells to where they never really had to do it that much because Rattler was very accurate in the final half of the year. But it is one of those cases like, hey, if you get in trouble and you're scrambling, just throw it up. I'll go get it. I'll help you out. And it's one of those things. It's, it's like when uh, Randy Moss first came into the NFL. I forget who his quarterback was with the Vikings, maybe Dante Culpepper or maybe someone else. But he actually went to him and he said, listen, man, if we get in a play and you see my defender matched with me, I'm playing with him. Just throw it out in front and I, you'll be you'll be okay. And uh, first, second game, you saw it happen. It's like he's kind of matched up one-on-one with his corner. Dante lets it go, and all of a sudden it's like, how did Randy get five steps ahead of that guy? <laughs> I mean, that's just what you got to have, you know. So um, th- th- you get that trust. You get that chemistry. Um, <clears throat> and it does come a case of where you know he's going to get the ball. They still can't stop it. So that's what yeah. you got to have. Um, and, you know, the, the final two regular season games proved it a little bit in the Gator Bowl. Obviously, Gator Bowl got taken over by a lot of running plays. 
but you see that chemistry and that's what you have to have in this league, especially as I was writing a story right now about the running back depth. Like, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but I think all four of us can agree at this point, it would not be uh, a shock to see Spencer go out there and throw 50 times a game this year, just because of the running back situation and say, don't know if you've got anybody you can hand the ball to more than five or six times per game. Maybe you can do that among three or four guys, but there's not going to be anybody with 20 carries per game. Yeah, I, that's a really interesting uh, part of this because, um, you know, especially when you bring Dowell Loggins into it, a guy who has you – know, it is an elite NFL background because of how many years he called plays in the league, regardless of what type of personnel he had or the success or whatever. He understands an NFL offense – but he also understands what it takes from what I've been told, David. We haven't seen him call plays yet. But from what I've been told, he understands how to not just to bring that mentality and just shove it into college football like right. some other people have tried to do. Uh, and, and so I, I do feel like the first eight quarters of the season, maybe even a little bit more than that, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what we were seeing before. But there will also be some feel it out to – Oh, sure. What are we actually going – how are we going to identify an offense? Yeah, I mean, the fact is it's his first college offense, and even though he's been around since January, you've got to know your kids. You've got to see it a little bit. You haven't gone full speed. You haven't really tackled to the ground. You haven't seen it in a real game, you know. that's And that's where you really jump on Shane Beamer's idea of, like, why can't they play a real preseason game? They're the only sport that doesn't get one, and it would really help instead of just, you know, a spring scrimmage. But – Outside of that, you know, Dowell has been handed a really tough first exam saying, yeah, it's your first college offense and you can, you know, hopefully seamlessly blend from the NFL. But how do you run an offense in the SEC without much of a running game to depend on? So he's going to have to look at that. Now, good for him. He's got answers. You've got a quarterback returning. You've got great receivers returning. You've got one of the best tight ends in the league who came with you from Arkansas to play. You've got a serviceable offensive line, even though there are some holes to fill. But it's one of those, like, you're not going to be able to pass the ball all the time, and nor do you want to. Because if you do, of course, the defense is going to say, I mean, don't even play the run, man. Just line up six on the line. Somebody's going to be unblocked and go after him, you know. So it's a case of where there will be some learning on the fly at North Carolina, perhaps it, uh, against North Carolina, perhaps it exacerbates the situation because, you know, those guys are going to throw the ball. That's what they do. And their defense is not good at all. So it's like, all right, are you going to get into the kind of game to where, hey, we got the ball first, we scored, let them play catch up? Or are you going to have to keep equaling them? Because then it's a case of like you can't afford to try to feel your way in and say, hey, let's see if this works. It's you got to go down and score, go with what works. And what now, as we know it right now, a couple of weeks before preseason camp, what works? Rattler to Wells, Rattler to Knox, Rattler to Joyner, Rattler to Leggett, Rattler throwing the ball. Because as much as I like the guys who are going to play running back for South Carolina, you just don't look at them and say, yeah, that guy's going to get his 100 on 20 carries. That's just not going to happen among the group they have right now. I think you can also pass the set of the run. A lot of teams can do that. Uh, LSU in 2019 did it to perfection almost. But uh, West, West Coast I, offense, man, that, that was Bill Walsh's entire principle. I grew up on yeah, it. You know? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, 49ers, man. I, I was a Falcons fan growing up there in the same division. 
Many Sorry a butt whippings that. I take. <laughs> many <laughs> a butt whipping. We, we took on a Sunday to Bill Walsh. And, and, Joe you know, Montana. It's almost unfair because Joe Montana. And, and then guess who took over for him? Steve Young. <laughs> oh, oh, was that who it was? Good, good little run oh, they yeah. had there. Oh, yeah, not bad. It's fairly decent back Yeah, they yeah, had a great are... fullback okay. at Tom Raff and Roger Craig. Man, whoo, that was, those were some do, good teams. Great teams. Do y'all – does anybody here see – with the running back room, by the way, are there any – um, comparisons to Coach Spurrier's first year. Remember that running back room, Mike Davis, the first Mike Davis, the first Mike Davis, yeah, yeah. Bobby uh, Wallace. Yeah, I mean, bit, great bit of trivia. Who who touched the ball outside after the snap on the first play of the Steve Spurrier tenure? Bobby Wallace. Bobby Wallace. Bobby Wallace. Bobby. South Bobby. Carolina. <laughs> well, yeah, little Bobby. And yeah, I, I think that'd be accurate, Jamie, just because there's just not a lot known. I mean, obviously, we know what Juju McDowell can do when he gets the ball in space. We know what the carry-on joiner can do when he gets the ball in his hands. DJ Braswell, freshman, uh, had a lot of good numbers in a high school. I think he was within 20 yards of a 1,000-yard season last year in high school, which is really good. Uh, top 15 back in the country. And then you have Mario Anderson, who All-American, Division II level, but wasn't All-American. So you haven't really seen it at this level. So I think that it'd be an accurate comparison, but really even more so because at least you have some guys who have done it with the ball in their hands, maybe not played a true running back. Whereas with Spurrier's first team, it was like, okay, well, you you hope those two guys can come in and do it. I mean, Blake Mitchell's got a pretty decent arm if if he can harness it. And, of course, if you guys remember how it was, they had Savelle on that team. So Savelle could make a little thing happen. He was like to carry on, right? Yep. And as I recall, Amen. what was it? It was handoff to Savelle. Wallace, Savelle swing pass, handoff to Wallace, Savelle swing pass. And then Blake kind of hides the ball on his hip, taken back. I'll never forget this. He wound up to throw – and one of the national writers beside me in the press box just kind of murmurs, old ball coach. <laughs> and there's no white side running free. And I'm like, man, this is going to be like this every Saturday, right? It wasn't. It, it wasn't like that the rest of the game. That was, that was exciting to watch because I was like, I used to watch this guy do this on Saturday afternoons growing up, and I'd be like, God, I can't sit that, dude. That, and now I was like, that, that, that's cool. That yeah. first touchdown against Central Florida, I thought – the Gamecocks are hanging half a hundred on them. And I was, they scored I was 24 like, in the game. Yeah, yeah it, was it just looked so much to like seven at the half and 24 to 15. They nearly yeah. came back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, that, that's the thing. Well, so, Bill Newton, for those of you that, that are hoping to carry a joiner, is the answer at running back. And I don't know that he's not. I've heard some really good things about him. I, John Whittle and I thought that was his natural position back mm-hmm. in 2020 when Marshawn Lloyd got hurt. We were like, they should. Before we knew about Kevin Harris, right? Right. Uh, they moved to carry on Joiner to running back because he's six one. He's two fifteen. I went back and watched the spring game, David. Coming away from that game when I watched it live, I was like, "Ah, running back's an issue." Looking back on it, though, I thought he and Anderson both had some nice moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blocking, and obviously they didn't have their starting line; they had half of a line or whatever out there. The blocking failed them a lot, but I, I thought they had some nice moments, and we know what Juju can do. Um, so I'm kind of willing to give it a chance. If you remember that 05 team, though, you know, Carolina struggled to run the ball all year until the Vanderbilt game when Jay Cutler came to town and they put, guess who, Savelle Newton at running back. Yep. And he played some quarterback and he played some receiver, played all over. And then he blew out his Achilles and missed the rest of the year. I, 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 
I would like to have seen what would have happened with that team that beat Tennessee and Florida anyway. Yeah. Uh, Cause it looked like Spurrier was really on to something at that point. Yeah. And to carry on's not Savelle. They're, they're different types of athletes, but uh, to carry on is big like Savelle. And he, I think he can run the ball from scrimmage, but anyway, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's just about being an athlete and, and tailoring the team to fit your athletes needs. I mean, of course, ball coach came in and was like, well, I'm going to do exactly what I did at Florida. We're going to air it out. And of course had to realize, well, the rest of the league's kind of caught on to that. And do you have the horses to do it? And of course those, uh, it wasn't the, the first game because the Georgia game was pretty close, as I recall. They lost, but it was close. Yeah. Uh, but was it Alabama and Auburn back to back? Arkansas and Auburn. But Alabama. yeah, I remember Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, because it was um, the, the infamous Antonio Hefner game. Yeah, <laughs> and, and but, Kenny Irons on the other side <laughs> running all yeah, over but, them. You know, they just get blown out. And I remember writing a oh. column for the for the Herald and Rock Hill and saying like, you know, the main thing people know Spurrier for is his stubbornness. And he's going to stick with the system. Well, here's why you can't do that. You can be stubborn when you got the horses, but you ain't got them. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, later in the season, it was like, yeah, he won because he did take a step back and say, we've got to get these guys on the field. Savelle Newton, the, the Gamecocks are better with him on the field. We've got to get him on the field all the time. And, of course, everything was working. They do manage to beat Florida and uh, Tennessee, even without Savelle, with those teams. And, of course, it's like, all right, well, you do just enough to get by and play a little defense. I mean, still that Tennessee game, I mean, everybody remembers the Josh Brown field goal, and obviously it was wonderful. But Coach Simpson on defense played a terrific game. Uh, Blake to Sydney, you know, in that last play, I remember he had three balls around him and somehow jumped and got the ball right into breadbasket and came down with it. Like, no, that's what you got to do. And then, of course, the the big play, Chris Tucker against Florida, that it was an interception or fumble return where Chris yeah. Leak was trying to chase it down. And Chris said, no, no, just <laughs> shoved him out of the way. So, you know, they've got to find a way to, to build around their strengths. They do have a lot of known strengths. It's not all kind of brand new, to so to say, like it was when Spurrier came in. Because, of course, it was going to be a new uh, offense, new attitude, new whatever, but – it was how do you even try to get a team back and excited after the way 2004 ended? You know, that was just a really bad time, as I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys remember. You know, just awful things going on. I'm thinking, is there, is there even going to be a team to field next year? Just because a lot of these kids just have quit. You know, they just don't want to deal with this. And I got it. Because, like, what do you say when you bust your butt to make a bowl game? You get told you can't go because you got in a fight at the Clemson game. And then a whole bunch of kids start getting busted for stealing stuff. It's like, oh, geez, just what next? You know. Yeah. So here's what I always think about that Corey Boyd team this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Corey Boyd gets suspended. Demetrius Summers was kicked off the team. Troy Williamson goes pro. Uh, Mo Thompson got kicked off the team. Yeah. Um, so, there were so, players so, on that team. Go back in time a little bit. What if Steve Spurrier that first year had had? Oh, and Mike Rath didn't get his six year of eligibility, and Mike would have probably started. He would have been the quarterback. Coach There's Spurrier. no doubt about it. He won. He should have been the quarterback in 2004 all year. What if? What if? What if those things had all fallen in place though? What kind <laughs> of team would Steve Spurrier? Because he he went eight seven and I mean they went five and three and were a, a missed extra point away from winning the division that year. 
You know, if they'd have beaten Georgia, if you'd have had, if you'd had Troy Williams and Corey Boyd, Demetrius, I mean, you talk about being able to run the ball, that little draw play with Demetrius Summers and Corey Boyd, I mean, my God. And you, Troy Williamson, the speed he had, but then you still had Sydney. Uh, you still had Kenny McKinley coming in. Uh, I don't know, man. That, that would have been – Mo Thompson would have helped on the de- defensive end because uh, the, they didn't – man, they had like Oris Lambert and one of the uh, <laughs> Lindsey boys at the end of the, end of the year, man. Uh, and and all, another thing about that team, too – they would have had a ton of guys. So it was they they would have scored points. Another thing I think that gets lost on that team is their, se- is their secondary. Coach Simpson, Fred Bennett, Jonathan Joseph – I mean, do y'all see that, comparisons to Coach stopped. Simpson and Nick Emanwari? You see that, David? I mean, a little bit in the ball hawk um, uh, category, I suppose. But obviously, Nick is much more physically blessed. He's taller. He's longer. He's heavier uh, than Co was. I would say Co is probably faster, just because. Now, this was in high school, but it was played at Williams Bryce State Championship game. Rock Hill, I believe, played Irmo. I was at that game. I remember they threw the, to the other side because they didn't want no part of Co. And Co. ran him down from across the field. I mean, amazing. It was like a 30-yard diagonal sprint to go get the guy. I was like, good Lord. I mean, that kid just had a nose for the ball. I mean, he had six picks, you know, as a freshman. So I can see a lot of that ball hawk mentality. But, of course, Nick just has much more physical gifts than Coe did, but obviously Nick's a terrific player, comes in on the third play of last year, and you guys remember, was it the first or second play, they ran right at him, and he stuck his hat right in that gap, and bam, knocked him right back, I thought, okay, all right, rookie, let's see if you can keep it up, well, he did, got invited out to uh, Houston this summer to do some uh, workouts, and, you know, really loved it, but he's going to be a great player for this team. And, you know, back to J.C.'s point, that's what being on the South Carolina talk is always great for. You know, the old what-ifs. Always going yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just beat me. You know, what if he had just that. done that? Well, you know. <laughs> I mean, what if God yeah, never got hurt in 89, you know? I mean, what, what if yeah, there, there was 6-0 in 88, and, and what if that had come to fruition? The steroid yeah. scandal broke, and they, and they go to Georgia Tech, of all places. That was two years before Tech won it all under Bobby Ross. They were still a three and eight football team. I'll never forget. I had to listen to that bad boy with Bob Fulton and, and Tommy Suggs and mm. Don Williams calling it and uh thirty-four nothing later. Then they go beat NC State and then Dion and, and Florida State has their backup quarterback. They come to town fifty nine to zero. That, Is that, that the one where Dion ran a pick six back into the end zone and flipped off the entire student Flip, section? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and he, he, I, he I think I remember watching that, you know. But yeah, so, that was I mean, actually old TV. Not a whole lot changed. That's one of the other things that makes talking about <laughs> South Carolina football so great because there's so many of these little instances, but also where you can say, but that's good because when you and I'm not saying this to be insulting, quite the opposite. When you don't have like, oh, man, what was the best championship team that Alabama ever had? (laughs) When you don't have that here, you have moments like saying one of the most beloved and memorable seasons in South Carolina football history, one of the greatest ended five and six, 1992. Because you remember what happened that year and and how it ended. And it's still every time I see Steve Tannehill, I saw him just the other day, and I'm like, every time I see you, I remember – Team was 0 5, you know, awful. I just like, I don't want to watch this anymore. I, I'm done with it. I was a freshman in high school. There was a, I think it was a theater weekend camp over at Rock Hill High, which, all right. 
I mean, I'm from Northwestern, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to that. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch this team play. Dave's so, doing course, guys, guys and dolls while, while this is going uh, on. <laughs> so, you know, I, I couldn't drive at the time. So I remember my mom picked me up about three o'clock. They had the, the famous Jefferson pilot noon kickoff that day. Yeah. And she's kind of smiling when I got in the car. I'm like, what are you smiling for? She said, and she turns on the radio and there's Bob. Like in South Carolina's in the fourth quarter leading 21 to six. I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> and she's like, they got this new quarterback in. He's got this long hair and he's just beautiful. And I'm like, he's beautiful. <laughs> he's just he's beautiful. Just beautiful. <laughs> and then you watch the rest of that season as Steve Tannehill himself has said numerous times, those two months, that's what college football is all about. Yeah, I mean, because Tennessee. There, there's been a lot of rock bottom spots in South Carolina football. That one may have been the worst. Team voted for the coach to quit. You know, right. they're yeah. zero five. It's like, oh, geez, <laughs> it's yeah. over. And then and it was then, the effort mentality. They, yep. they they win five of six. They go in this great off season. The next year, they start at Georgia and win that one uh, with Brandon over the top. And I'm like, this is it, man. They're never going to lose again, are they? <laughs> they lost by oh one God. point at our next week. The next yeah. week. And, and if then, I recall, you might have checked me on this, but that season, 93, eight times, eight games out of 11, they went to the fourth with the lead? Yes. I, and, and, one, and, and, and one of them. Was it that many one of them, times? They did, but they did, yeah. I think they and were beating Woodson in the fourth. They were they were up thirteen to three in that right. one. Um, Bama Bama came to town as the defending champs and only won seventeen to six. Mm-hmm. They blew the lead against Kentucky on a Thursday night. Uh, you know, I, I think the only the, the teams that got them were Florida. Florida and Tennessee blew them out. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, Florida was close. It was thirty seven twenty six, if I remember. And the Gamecocks had a lead for yep. most of the game. Tennessee, and I do remember they're. Injuries happen, but there seemed to be just an awful lot that year. It seemed mm. to be, looking back on it now, worse than 99 was, where they started 11 different offensive lines just because nobody could stay healthy. Six and, quarterbacks? Yeah, they, they started three different QBs and played six. I mean, it was just bad. Nice. Well, that was a top-10 defense. John yeah. Abraham was a first-round draft pick off a winless team because that defense was so good. But, man, they could mm. not score. Could um, not score. I see Jamel, Jamel Kelly dropping that touchdown pass against Vandy. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's the stuff. Nightmares. That was the worst. Oh that was God. the worst yeah. game I've ever seen. Eleven to ten. <laughs> this is yeah. the worst conversation ever. Well, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think it was like like seven. Jason, that one was one. I, where I was like, I cannot believe what I'm watching. I think I had words with the guy working at the Shell Station on Whaley's across from Whaley's <laughs> Mill near the the soccer stadium afterward too. I was just so like. Upset because I knew that was it. I knew that well. They're not beating Tennessee, Florida, or Clemson. So, yeah. uh, and then the Clemson game showed some problems. So yeah, that was that was probably the worst game I've ever seen for college football in my entire life. Yeah. Vandy 07 was probably it for me. That was just the like, worst oh, game. Oh. The worst yeah. offensive yeah. game I've ever seen had to do with a hurricane. But I was there in Raleigh oh. in '99. They had oh, 80 yeah. yards of offense in the game. It was yeah. Oh, but Demetri or wasn't Demetri? Yeah, uh, Demetri trying to no. No, Derek Watson. Derek Watson was it? Yeah. yeah. Watson had a touchdown call back. Yeah. I still yeah. remember Holtz looking like a drowned rat in that black. He crate. did. Yeah. <laughs> and leaving there, it was nothing but 
mud and i mean the 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 parking lot was literally a cow pasture that's where you parked it was crazy that was before they did all those uh improvements at state but it's awful you know it's it's one of those where i guess you go back to what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and we've all been around for the great moments and, and seeing these great games and you look at south carolina this year and there's a lot of folks say oh second toughest schedule but this off season, really for the past two off seasons, fellas, it's been great. There hasn't been any negativity because it was, man, you come in with not a good team and you go seven and six and you win your bowl game. That's really a good start. And then eight and five, okay, you didn't win your bowl game, but who cares? You beat Clemson. And you beat Tennessee before that. So it's yeah. been a charmed life. I'm JC, as, as you know, because you guys do recruiting so well, the momentum is seen on the recruiting trail. You're going in this season and saying like, okay, well, and I know we're going to be talking about it soon. So it's one of those, can you keep the momentum going? And to me, I'm like, I don't see any reason why you can't because now you see a system of belief. These guys love Shane Beamer. They're going to play for him. And yeah, you're, you're probably going to go, go against some teams that you're not going to like, like Georgia, which, you know, Everybody after the 24 schedule was really like, oh, man, that's terrible. I want to keep playing Georgia. I'm like, I really don't think you want to. <laughs> you caught a reprieve. Don't Let's not do that. Actually, now that we're thinking about it, yeah. But I will say this, too, as I throw the other seven questions I had for David today in the trash can. We'll, we'll, next time you're on, we'll, hey, man, uh, I got, I got we'll time. You know, just pitch him to me. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> between uh, between you and JC, we we will all be miserable by the time this show's over. I'll be looking for a drink and a rope and a tree. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I. But um, but to to your point, well, I tell you what. Do you want to stick around for another segment? Can you do that? Sure. Yeah, no problem. All right, it's it's noon, so let's um let's hit a timeout. Uh, and um, Phil, why don't you go ahead and double up here? It won't yeah, be, I'll double up here. Minutes. It will be back maybe about five it, minutes or so. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a three minute three minute break, DC, and then we'll keep you around because I do I, I do want to get to a couple other things with media days next week. Certainly want to slip some baseball stuff in here as well. Sure. Um, you know, we said you're the elite of the elite, so we'll just uh, we'll pay you for overtime. So nah, hang tight. Uh, we're built by the Barndo Co. The Barndominiumco dot com inside the Gamecocks. We'll be right back. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring to you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. 
Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope's State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS He knew we were going to say something about him. Have a cigar with him, too, man. I'd be all right with that. Yeah, the only one I don't want to see with a cigar is Bill Clinton, but that's for another day. So, uh, I like to smoke cigars. 
<laughs> David, uh, thank you for Friend hanging the with show, us. Now we're inside Don't the game. Worries, yeah. Sorry so, for picking up so much on the last segment. Oh, you're not. No, no not at all. I was picking with you. We, we're used to that's JC's mo, man. You, you know, hey, we got to talk about this, and then he talks about that. That's and, cool, uh, man. Yeah, I, 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 I like uh, competing yeah, on Gamecock. The, the, the reminiscent, uh, yeah, we, we went with Chris Phillips the other day. We, we went 45 minutes on just telling old war stories, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. It's summertime. <laughs> I guess I'm used to it. But I know they, I know, I know JB's got stuff to, to talk about. Well, no, I, it was talking, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, JC and Phil and myself. And actually, I think Brad Crawford was in here when we had this conversation because. Every year when you come into the season, if there's a there, if there's an elite quarterback in the league that's not at um that's not at a blue blood, you know, Bama, LSU, Georgia, but if they're at a blue collar, like a Mississippi State or a Kentucky Will Levis, for instance, or um I guess you could throw Tennessee in there, Auburn, whoever, you, you always hear, particularly the national media, generally say things like, well, they have this guy at QB. They can beat anybody. If that guy has a day, they can beat anybody. That conversation is very rarely and almost pretty much never had with South Carolina because South Carolina, outside of when Connor was here, didn't have what the – and Connor had to prove himself. Hell, he didn't even get any awards. So, But, but Rattler is different. Is that conversation suitable for Gamecock football if Spencer Rattler has a day, as in like what he did against Tennessee, they can beat anybody? Sure, because there's the result. You just said it, Tennessee and Clemson. I mean, if you let him do what he can do and he plays like he's capable of, all of a sudden you don't know what to do. I mean, numbers are numbers, uh, results are results, but you guys just look at the plays how he could move himself out of the pocket and still complete on the run, how he could make some really tight throws in the tight windows. Like I mentioned, the Juice Wells touchdown on the end line against Clemson, the first one that Juice caught. I mean, he can do all that. Now, obviously, there's still some plays that you're like, oh, I mean, watching, again, the Clemson game last night, that pick he threw in the end zone in double coverage, like, what are you even thinking? I remember in the press box, it immediately popped in my head. I was like, you made up your mind where you were going before you even took the snap, didn't you? Yeah. You just can't do that, you know? So there are still some just eyeball-gouging plays that you watch him make, but there's also those games where it's like, this guy's got some serious juice, and he can really lead you to a win because he's going to have the pieces around him. So I think that you can definitely have that conversation about him because he can do that and his running ability. We haven't really seen it a whole lot. They've run some plays. He did score a rushing touchdown against Clemson on a scramble, but we haven't really seen it. So especially if the Gamecocks do carry their expected running back struggles into the season, maybe they do have to lean on Spencer to run a little more. And that just adds to the, uh, the hardiness of having that conversation of saying, this guy can beat you if he has a great day. Yeah, I think I think too. One of the things that's going to end up being a main, uh, a very concentrated point of concern in the preseason is going to be the offensive line. Um, they have guys who they like and trust. We know that. They're also. I mean, I've talked with a coach on staff, DC, and I know you talk with them all the time. You know, they're expecting like the kid coming in from what Mercer. Uh, the kid coming in from Charlotte, these walk-ons. Is Whitney. it Mercer? 
Mercer, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the, the walk on. Okay. The walk on. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. They like him, but like they're. I mean, again, this guy on staff was like the kid coming from Mercer is going to play. It. Where Where do you think this offensive line is? I mean, there. It's. It's. I don't know. I just don't know. Well, it's, it's the question that was kind of going into last year when you said, like, hey, all five starters are coming back. I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's a lot of experience. But was it particularly good in 21? They were good at times. They weren't good at times. So you had to balance between you always want to have experience. You always want to have that. And they had that. But where was where was the production? So last year I thought they played better. There were times where they were just completely overwhelmed and just couldn't do anything at Florida game. I mean, not that it was their fault that they lost, but they just couldn't get anything done. And then when they finally started to get something done, the receivers kept turning the ball over. But you've lost a lot of starting experience. You've lost a lot of staffs. I mean, Eric Douglas by himself. How many games he play in over the past five years? Like 112? It seemed yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, – so you're, you're losing a lot, but you've got enough pieces that have played and that will be able to come back even with them saying, yeah, this guy from Mercer is going to play. They've mentioned Marky Anderson from Dorman. Shane Beamer has said point blank, he's going to play. Okay, cool. So you have guys coming back. Losing Jalen Nichols doesn't help. Um, and, you know, obviously they can say the best case scenario is he'll be back sometime this season. That is best case, but – Torn ACL and Lyman, as I'm sure you guys know, he might could come back in October, but there ain't no way. I mean, I think that he's going to be out for the entire season. So no way. Yeah. Um, they've got some pieces there, and they've got some guys, but it's going this this fall camp is going to be crucial at you've got to find out which five are your best at which position. For instance, Nick Gargiulo. 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 They like him at center. But it's like we know he can play center, and he's already pretty much the leader of that line. Do we need to move him somewhere else? So, you know, that's something they're going to have to work on. And, you know, just being here from the outside perspective, we didn't get to see what could happen in place of Jalen Nichols during the spring game because he went down so early, and they just moved Marky Anderson over to tackle, and he ain't a tackle. And they yeah, know like, he's hey, not a tackle. That's they were like, he's just getting killed out there. And I'm like, oh, I, I, poor kid. I, I, honestly, poor David, kid. I, I, had they not gotten the kid from Charlotte, Marquis probably would have stayed at tackle for this one year. He's mm. he's a swing guy that can help you there to pinch. Obviously, they have legit. I mean, uh, Jatavia Shivers is going to be a tackle down the road. They got two of the best in the country next cycle. But uh, I, uh, I, I'll. When we talk about uh, offensive linemen that are walking on, uh, I'll throw some names at you. Seth Edwards, mm-hmm. Thomas Coleman, Garrett okay. Chisholm. Yep. There you go. Garrett. All those Garrett guys. Elite. Head ball NFL. Coach? Yeah, you remember. I still remember yeah, T.C., so, man. T.C. would knock it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, Chisholm, yeah. Chisholm yes, turned into a really solid player. So it's Didn't one say of those, a word either, though. I mean, if if you come in, yeah, it's if, if you're big and strong, they can teach you how to play. And I do love how they cross train at all uh, positions to make sure you can do everything on a football field that you can from an offensive lineman standpoint. So, of course, that's going to be a big part of how effective Spencer Rattler can be. But the main thing is that again, going back to the running back position, it's nuts just about how that's going to affect so much else. If you know you're not going to run the ball much, if you know you're only going to have basic run plays, that can help you. 
because you can just stand there and say, don't worry about trying to open up a gap. If you got to, link arms with the dude next to you and make <laughs> sure nobody's putting Spencer on his butt, okay? So, yes. uh, you know, they've got pieces there. It's not going to be elite, but it's not going to be destitute. I think they yep. feel very it's confident about what they have. Next two years are going to be kind of a bridge year for the offensive line. Right. Uh, next year they'll be young but talented. By the time 2025 gets here, it will it could be one of the best offensive lines. In the SEC, I think until Georgia signed all the monsters or got the commitments for the the five monsters they did last week, mm. uh, it, it probably would have been one of the best. But but hey, you know, uh, you take what you can get. That's yeah. Georgia, man. You you win two titles and that talks, and also yeah. the fact that you can get away with anything you want to. But hey, it's, that's not the point. Drive as fast as you want. Allegedly, feel whatever you want. To uh, I mean, of course, that <laughs> come out yesterday. We demand a retraction. That story's full of inaccuracies. Oh, cool. What were they? Well, it was inaccurate. Oh. You don't have any. <laughs> it's just so, you're, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, well, it's I, interesting. I think because the O-line is one of those issues that I think speaks directly to what you brought up earlier, David, was that ability to have a live fire scrimmage with another team. Right. And that right. my biggest question on the O-line is not that we don't have talent, but we're you know, how many different O-lines are we going to see front-loaded into the beginning of this season before it actually gels? I think that's the, you know, you're kind question. of in a race. Yes, that's that the point. case, too. I mean, if if you just kind of look at Great on question. paper, you know, right now, South Carolina may not be able to run the ball. North Carolina throws a lot and can score. Is South Carolina going to get into a, okay, you've got to go score down mentality in that season opener? I mean, the second game, Furman, that's the one where hopefully you can experiment and work around yeah. with something. But yeah. meanwhile, you got to win this first game. So, do you have to go for that game? Hey, who are your five best pass blockers? Don't worry about anything else but that. Who are your five best pass blockers? Because I don't think North Carolina's got a very good pass rush. There's nothing to fear there. Every time I hear about North Carolina defense, I'm like 62 points against Appalachian State. Yeah. <laughs> nothing against that. Because yeah, that's a great right. program. I'm like, 62 points? Did you guys not even try? You know. <laughs> So it's no. you do have to look at it and say there might be a case during that season opener that says who's your five best pass blockers get them out there. Well, I think get your best snapper, put him in the middle, and then say the rest of you four hear the snap and pop up and just start getting guys <laughs> off. off the and you, you you're going to have to start protecting him so he makes some throws down from a talent standpoint. You, UNC's quote unquote big time recruits. Uh, are on that D line. They they haven't done anything their whole career, uh, and their weakness is probably in the secondary. You know they lost the the amazing Storm Duck who uh, left. What for, a name! Uh, Storm that left for Penn State, then went someplace else. I don't know, I don't know where he ended up, but uh, so they they they've lost some guys back there, and and you know even, even like a Jaquarius Conley who was another a big time safety guy. He had to. He went in the portal because he could stay healthy or whatever. So they're they're vulnerable back there. So you make a good point uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, I I, I, I now say this one more thing on the line. Yeah, Rashawn Lee, Jakai Moore, Nick Gargiulo, Trey Jones, and Tyshawn Wanamaker. Those five guys. It can't go, can't go past these guys. They got to stay healthy. Yeah. Those guys have played a lot of football, a lot yeah. of college football. And you know, of course, um, there'll be there'll be six, seven, eight who play some backup, but you need to keep sure. them backup. You just exactly. cannot have anything happen to those guys. You, you, Especially you to get, me, Trey Jones is is the guy 
that, that can really be that linchpin on that line alongside sure. God, he's built like a brick house too, man. Oh, Trey man. Jones is. Mm-hmm. I mean, his I mean, chest is at his chin. It's I'm, I'm not saying he's fat because he's not. He's just built, no. but the track team gets in shape by running laps around him. That's how big. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, I mean, we, we, we saw, um, we saw uh, Ty Sean up close and personal, and it almost looked like he had lost too much weight. I, I it, it, it struck me that they were kind of trimming him down to building back, building back up, so he will be bigger in the fall. But when he stood next to uh, God, who was it, JC? Uh, Sydney um, Fugar. Sydney Fugar. <laughs> if Sydney Fugar could have could have eaten Ty Sean Wanamaker, I mean, it, this guy is enormous. He's, yeah, he's and, and Fugar. I thought I got the sense Fugar may be a year away. Now Fugar's got three years left. He's not your. He's not a later in his career graduate or a graduate trainee. So he's a three-year portal guy. Uh, but you know, if if the light comes on over the summer, that could be another option at tackle. Uh, I think. Uh, so you don't have to right Marky tackle, Anderson right? out there. Probably, yeah. uh, but man, this year gotcha. they lost yeah. their one left tackle. I mean, to be honest, their one pure left tackle. I think Jakai Moore could do it. If Ja'Kai Moore gets beat, it's because he's just overwhelmed talent-wise. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I like about him. He doesn't loaf. He's out there. I do think he's better at guard. Uh, but Ja'Kai could do it. But, man, if they could find a way to where they could play Ja'Kai Moore inside, you know, maybe the kid from Charlotte. Maybe you're sitting there and we're all sitting there in a few months going, this line's pretty good. You got a transfer from Charlotte that walked on. You got a transfer from Mercer that walked on. And you got a kid from Western Illinois at left tackle that looks like he's all SEC. Uh, I think we'd be talking about Lonnie Teasley being uh, a wizard at that point. But, sure. Uh, Olan you know, whisperer. Olan yeah. whisperer. So you never know. I, it's, it is amazing how much I've continued to hear about those two walk-ons. I'm going to be shocked if we're not hearing a lot more about them in, in August as well. Um, all right. Final couple of quick ones here, DC. And we'll get you out of here. Uh, we've mentioned all these – you know, the juice wells is this, that, and the other, a guy that I'm really just totally intrigued with. I cannot wait to watch him play. He's not a, um, he's not maybe necessarily a frontline name just yet in Gamecock country, although I think he will be, but I'm going to throw his name out there and then let you respond however you'd like to. Who Who's going to be the guy that emerges that's not being discussed right now? My, my money's on Josh Simon. <laughs> Just talking about from an offensive lineman or team on the, perspective. On the, yeah, more on the offensive side, but certainly you take it however you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have to look at, again, the running back position, and you already know the other three guys because Mario Anderson was here in spring, is DJ Braswell because he's going to have to play. So how much does he get to play? How much does he earn his way on? Obviously, he wasn't here this spring, but he's been able to get in this summer and, you know, hopefully get up to speed because he's going to have to play. Um, You do look at that tight end uh, room and say, well, but they keep going too tight end like they did last year and really rotate four. Joshua Simon obviously has the experience, but a Connor Cox who came in and then a Nick Elksness, the kid from Florida, you know, who was big-time talent in high school and just, you know, was hurt a lot in Florida. I think he could be a guy that steps up on the offensive side of the ball. So um, if you count kick return as part of your offensive package, Eddie Lewis from Memphis, a guy who did that very well up there. And, of course, USC has some ingrained returners, but they don't have Josh Van anymore. So I think Eddie Lewis is going to get that that chance to shine right away. And, of course, who knows, USC receives the ball against North Carolina and Charlotte, put him back there to receive. 
that's worked pretty good <laughs> in the past. I mean, not to put any undue expectations on the man, but be like, hey, buddy, you're playing a North Carolina team in Charlotte season opener, and you're about to get the opening kickoff. There's precedent. There's precedent. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you get you're on to on to something there. Um, am I am I uh, am I foreshadow? Am I out of my lane here? Am I foreshadowing? Do you have a maybe a potential forthcoming article on the fact that two of the running backs are from the Low Country? Or no? Well, it's going to be about the running backs. I might no, mention, but isn't that, isn't that cool though? Like far neck of the woods down here. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get, Kid from Fort Absolutely. Dorchester, kid from Stratford. Although I didn't like either one of them growing up, it, it's, it's, <laughs> they're and they're and and be, better than that, they are outstanding human beings. Like yeah. they're unbelievable kids. Yeah. Well, it's so. it's one of those. It's like I was doing the major league draft yesterday, and in eleventh round, I saw a kid from Rock Hill High get drafted, and I was like, yep. "What? Didn't you want a talented player? You know." <laughs> Uh, hey. Which I shouldn't have said, but that's the first thing that popped into my head. I, that, I texted the Northwestern baseball coach. I'm like, what the hell, man? I mean, <laughs> we're supposed to be up here, you know. But yeah, uh, I, all, all, all uh, congratulations to that young man. His name's John Wimmer. He was actually going to go play at the Citadel, and now he's an 11th-round selection. Yep. So, But, you know, it's having that low country flair to it. Of course, it's a big part of the gig, um, you know, and you knew, you know what DK can do. And I was like you guys, when he came in and was Mr. Football, I'm like, man, this kid, I mean, but I was thinking, so he'll be like an athlete, maybe run ball a few times, maybe kick return, whatever. But you kind of knew, but a quarterback's like, eh, I don't know. And then I read the stats. Now, of course, I've had some people say, it's like, well, I mean, he threw a lot of screens that got turned into long yardage and low country football wasn't that good. Mm. I'm like, that kid threw for 10,000 yards. It's hard to do that by accident, you know? Uh, yeah. So you. you like to have that. You like it even more when it's a local. Uh, and so you just got to go out there and let them play. And obviously with the depth being what it is in the backfield, they're going to have to play. They're going to have to play. So Anderson, Joyner, whoever that's going to tote the ball, they're going to be on the field. So just got to see how well they do. Yeah, there's no doubt. I'm, I'm pulling for those young men. Absolutely. All right, you mentioned baseball real quick. Final one, we'll get you out of here. They've been – it was expected, but they have been pretty much gutted in that pitching staff by the uh, by the uh, Major League Baseball draft. The flip side of that is there's a lot of arms that are now going to be in pro ball again from Gamecock Baseball, and it's always neat to see that. It's a great representative of your of your program, DC. But they are certainly in search of arms. Ty Good is a good one that's coming in. They did lose Matt Duffy unexpectedly. Um, offensively, they've recruited very well out of the transfer portal, and they're going to be fine. But the pitching staff to stay in the, quote, elite side of the of baseball in the SEC, they're going to probably have to still go find two or three more quality arms. What are you hearing there? Yeah, it's it's the downside of last year when Hicks and, and Noah Hall came back. I mean, of course, you're, you love to have them because it's production and it's experience coming back to your team. But then there's always that little thought in the back of your mind, especially when the coaches – we kind of expected those guys to leave and it doesn't hinder you from an experience standpoint of trying to get other guys up to, to snuff. But now next year, meaning this year, you're going to lose those guys and you're going to lose a whole bunch more that you already expected to lose. So now you have this big chunk gone. So I, I counted it up. James Hicks, uh, Jack Mahoney, Will Sanders, Noah Hall, that's 41 starts out of 62 games last year. You take away another three starts because Eli Jerzenbeck had Tommy John and he cannot pitch next year. 
Yep. 44 out of 62 starts, gone. Yeah. So they filled. They've got some guys to come in. Uh, you know, obviously Matthew Becker does return. He started a lot last year. Eli Jones returned. He started a lot last year. But it, they knew they were going to have to go hit the portal. They won a huge find to Matt Duffy, and then he got drafted. So it was uh, – while he hasn't said anything officially, he's going. The, everybody who got drafted is going. So it's a rough, rough, uh, tough road to hoe, but you've just got to go out and find other guys. The transfer portal window, I believe, opened today. It's open for another couple of days. They've just got to go find some guys. And really, it's not any person who's ever pitched, but it's kind of close to that. Like they've got to get somebody who knows what they're doing in here and be able to come in. Now, they did, as you mentioned, a gift. Ty Good did not get drafted. Because I think if he had, he's a kid been in school for four years, also a Rock Hill kid. Uh, <laughs> yep. He's been in school for four years, and no matter when he got drafted, he might have said, you know what, I, I just don't want to go to school anymore and, and go. Well, he didn't get drafted. So he should be here next year. You've got a couple of other guys who are coming in, one from Charlotte, one from Liberty, one from you know wherever. But you're just going to have to get those guys up to speed and say, here you go. But now they have to go get some more arms. At least yeah. two, I would think. One one who has starting potential and one, you know, you always say, well, if he's not starting, we'll use him in middle relief. One of those guys because they weren't expecting to lose Kate Austin either. No. And they nearly got away with it. And then I'm sitting there watching it 19th round like, Kate Austin, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you think my reaction was bad, you should probably have heard what Mark Kingston said. Like, oh. Because <laughs> you know he's got to go. So. Well, I, mean, I think starting wise, you know, here's the thing, though. It's Roman. starting to become part of baseball every year. At least one or two guys goes out with an yeah. arm deal. Uh, I think right now, if you look at, at Roman Kimball, Eli Jones, and Matt Becker, that's you your probably rotation. have a pretty solid rotation. But uh, like I said, with the injuries these guys have to their arms, you need as many as you can get. It's like defensive right. linemen in football, in my opinion. I mean, so. and Kimball, you know, a guy I'd forgotten really all about him because he got hurt in fall last year. But it's just such a sensitive thing. I mean, as Ray Tanner always said, your arm is not meant to throw like this. It's not. So if you're ever on the mound and you feel something here or here, it's not good. (laughs) And so they knew they were going to lose a chunk of this. You can't replace that experience, at least not at South Carolina or in the SEC, but you can get guys to come in. And if you have the offense like South Carolina had for most of this year, you can really help your pitchers out. It's like you can give them time to go through those first uh, four non-conference weeks, even though you don't want to be playing around against Clemson, but that's where the the series falls. You can afford to experiment a little in those first four weeks, and if your offense is scoring 10 runs a game, you're like, hey, we, we got you. You're cool. Don't worry about it. But, of course, there's a lot of if in that. So I agree with you, Jamie. Their offense, I think, is going to be fine. Getting yeah. Gavin Cassis back is huge. Kennedy Jones, as was described to me, that was the golden goose that of was. the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And that no kid doubt. is a whiz-bang ball player. And then you got Cole Messina and Ethan Petrie right in the middle of that lineup to where if you get to it as a pitcher, you're like, hmm. Yeah. That whole thing of like, ah, just pitch around him. And then pitch <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, it's like how many runs? Pitch around and pitch around it. So I'm supposed to start the game with the bases loaded and the run. That's what LSU's goal was. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. Well, Well, and the Brindling kid too. 
and, from North Florida. Yep. And uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know enough about it, but I'm gonna bang on the optimism of of John Whittle. He continues to say, "Do not sleep on what Carson Horning can do." And I, okay, um, I've heard enough about it. And Tal, and Tal, Tal hit 300 this year. Yeah, that lineup is lethal. Um, you know, Ricky Williams from Clemson. He didn't get a chance to pitch this year. So yeah. maybe you can get him back in and see what he can do. But well, you it's just, you, you don't ever want to lose that much experience. But as JC said, it's part of the game, man. And you're going to run into those years sometimes. And of course, it's great when you have it, like last year. Brandon Wimmer, Noah Hall, James Six. Hey, we're all coming back. Awesome. And then you think, ooh, because <laughs> you're going to lose these guys at the end of this year, and now they're going to go with them. So it's part of it. Um, obviously the recruiting class, you know, it's not been among in-state freshmen has not been great, but it's been good enough to add with transfers. So you just have to hope that what worked this year will keep working next year. They've been very adamant about we're following the Texas A&M example. They built themselves an Omaha team out of the transfer portal and had a lot of those guys not got hurt last year. Maybe we're sitting here talking about the same thing as you were. You're talking about team two wins from Omaha. Now you just got to hope that those transfers come in and keep producing. And at least from the guys that they got, I'm like, you feel pretty good that they will. Yeah, yeah. And 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 as you know very well, Matt Williams from Lancaster, so you know the Williams family well, been around it a long time. Him and Monty together are elite. They will relock this state from a high school perspective, and you'll begin to see those classes again down the road. But it's just not instant. you, you got to get yeah. to that point and plug the holes until then. And, um, and, of course, there's always the case of, like, they have a commitment from Carson Messina, Cole's little brother next year, and he's really good. But And, and also uh, uh, reco- the commitment from Orlando. PJ, you know, down at Somerville, who's one of the best hitters, won the high school home run derby. That's great. But, of course, you look at them and say, did. yeah, Comer if they're did. that good – they're probably I, never going to get here anyway. So see it. maybe we'll see it. Uh, PJ's a long shot. The Cromer has a. There's another Cromer coming up too. Whittle says he's pretty good as well. There will always be a Cromer. There's always. Yeah. I mean, the first family of Carolina baseball. You know, it's kind of like Little John's up at Gaffney football. There's always going to be another one. <laughs> going to be a Little John. <laughs> the Little John family. Well, David, checks in the mail, man. We really appreciate, appreciate it. you, man. Uh, safe travels to Nashville. And um, we'll try to, if we can, if you have time next week, uh, one day, we won't be this long, clearly, but we'll try to try to fit you in. Uh, clearly, the well, story. I'll, I'll tell you, fellas, that uh, if, if that happens, and I do hope it happens, I like talking to you guys, but there will be a lot of kvetching on my part about, like, why am I in Nashville again? <laughs> I have nothing against Nashville. It's a great city, but why am I going there for media days? And if you've, if you've seen the logistics of this, you know, Broadway, the, the strip, you know, the, oh, the, the neon street, the Grand Hyatt Hotel's located right off of it. They're doing construction on the bridge right in front of it. So it's basically closed off from below Broadway. I'm like, wow. Outstanding. <laughs> they said, don't worry, there's a free parking lot up at this address. I typed the address into the maps. Oh, no. Doesn't exist. I'm like, <laughs> And when Greg stands up there and says, hey, guess what? We're also going to be traveling to a new place for SEC Media Days 2024. That's when you will see a laptop be thrown at his podium. It may or may not be mine. I'm like, if I got to get on a plane to come cover this thing. (laughs) Wait, where's 24? Where's 24? They haven't announced. Birmingham right now. 
24, they haven't announced. They haven't announced it. But I, it'll I'll swing to da- Dallas sometime. But that's what, what I'm thinking. Like, why? Why? And, uh, yeah. why? Put it in Atlanta. That's well, it. When I was told, Greg's a Texas guy. I'm like, what? He's from oh, New no. York. <laughs> yeah, wait. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he might have gone to North University of North Texas for a year. I'm like, that's not a Texas guy. I, I don't understand what the SEC's doing well, here. Or, just the, put it the this way. in Charlotte. Put it in Charlotte. Big, Big 12 media days right now is a Jerry World, okay? So let's just say it's obviously hosted it before. Texas and Oklahoma are coming in the league next year. Oh, they play a game every year in Dallas. Seems pretty natural, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Texas, Texas, I've been hearing this for a few yeah. years that he wants to do it in Dallas. I hope that's not the case because, again, I don't want to get on a plane and have to come cover this event. I realize it's the big kickoff. Everybody's excited. It's like nothing happens at these things. I don't know how you do it, Dave. I stopped going about 10 years ago. And I, oh, the man. last time I went, I wanted to spit nails. I mean, they didn't have good potato salad at the lunch yeah, buffet. The biggest newsy thing that's ever popped out of these things that's is probably it. when Philip Fulmer didn't show up so he wouldn't get subpoenaed. Oh, yeah. But also, when I'm not even going to mention his name because I'm not a fan of him, but a reporter. Asked Tim Tebow if he was uh, still pure. Oh, yeah. You know oh, yeah. I sat in the press conference. I was like, what the? <laughs> Dude. Tim, to his credit. I, I, I'm like, why are, what, what? Why are you even asking gross. that? And why are you Man. here? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Alabama sure. bloggers decided to stand up and ask Kate Saban a question. Be like, hey, coach, just want to say my whole family loves you and just want to yeah. say roll tide. Thank you and praise you. I just that praise happened. Jesus every day that you're there. Yeah, and they, they, and that they, happened they, like two years ago. Question. And he'd be like, I just want to know why in the hell you decided to put the ball on, on fourth and two from the Auburn 25. I guess I should say it was just two years ago that Brent Zwerneman, who's a hero of mine, he covers AM, does a great job, broke the news. Broke that, hey, the news. Texas that what, yeah, you, yeah, that's okay. good. That's a good point. Broken. But, well, news. that's true. Most of the time, it's, it's that was a big moment. Around. But that was on Thursday, right? At the very yeah. end of the day. And it drives, it drives me personally crazy to when, you know, folks go up there and are talking to, I don't know, somebody from Kentucky. Hey, man, what do you think about playing Tennessee this year? Well, in three months, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was a strategy for a short time to just people uh, getting sent for the entire thing. And I mean, that it kind of went out this year to where when Eli Drinkwitz gets up there, I'll take a picture and be like, can you believe this guy's beat South Carolina four times in a row? I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, good grief. And it's not like they're particularly good teams. Oh. It's just like. And they of course, I'm, I'm doing like manual coach hot seat rankings, right? And yeah. Eli Drink, which I thought he's had three straight losing seasons, he's got to be. They extended his contract in November of last year. Yeah, November. For what reason, I don't know. But if they were to fire him, they owe him something like thirty million bucks. <laughs> if people complain about Muschamp, man, oh, I'm yeah. my son is three years old. I am raising him to have the greatest profession on earth, which is. Work your way up through football coaching, son. Get to be real good on the high school level. Get an assistant college job. Be a great coordinator, and then get named head coach of the SEC and lose every game. Yeah, right. you only need Fire to football coach is the greatest <laughs> profession. Go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fifty million bucks, and you're like, see ya. 
<laughs> you get to go to Destin, Florida for the rest of your life and I mean, celebrate in the summer. Hey, people can pick on Coach Muschamp all they want to. He's the smartest football Rich. coach in the history of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Guy's brilliant. You seen his place in Athens, man? Or near Athens? Twice. Yeah. It's, I, it's no, amazing. I haven't seen and that. I mean, and, and you still got the lake house here. So yeah, it's like, Boom Island. Brilliant. I would have kept that lake house too, man. I mean, but look, Florida paid he's, not he's such a up. good guy. Florida paid him six million just to walk. He made one point five at Auburn in the interim. And that lake house has got like a, a two bedroom, two and a half bath, uh probably like eight hundred square foot place. And that's the guest house. Yeah. That's right. And it has a dock. <laughs> Man, yeah. whenever Will act up, he's got to go sleep out there. I'm like, the yeah. vertical yeah. field position. Put your face I, in the I'd, I'd never like leave it. out there. That'd yeah, that's not stayed. a bad doghouse, you know. Nah, put his face in the fan. He likes it every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Fellas, I do appreciate you having me. Appreciate the time. I'm sure yep. we'll get together. Just uh, give me a ring next week. I'll try to get it in. It. And obviously, Shane goes on Thursday, so it probably yeah. wouldn't be a good day then. Nah, we're not. Yeah, we got you. Thanks, man. Y'all take care. Appreciate you. You, there you go, David Cloninger with the post in Courier. We're painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. LetMePaintSomething.com if you're in Georgia, the Peach State, or the Palmetto State, which is South Carolina, border to border. Think about it. Think about it. Do I need something painted in my home or around my home or my fence or my deck or whatever it is, stained? Think about it. Do you need something painted? Go to LetMePaintSomething.com. You can actually send them the pictures, and they'll quote it right there online. It's that simple. Talk to Tristan today, as a matter of fact. He is a awesome, awesome dude. Let me paint something.com. We'll be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or HeritageDigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. <laughs> Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston!
Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream, and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned, Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Better stare, Rattler or Sir Big Spur, right there. They're oh both man, that's tough. I don't think either one. I don't think you want either one of them staring you down like that. But you know, only one of them is really going to try to claw your eyes out in a literal <laughs> manner. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean that Spencer isn't going to you know? Right, yeah, to... we figuratively may go after you like that, but uh, I don't yeah. know. And yeah. what about this? Uh, uh, I've been I've been dwelling over the whole media days thing for next year, and that it might be in Texas. And it's like, listen, you know this. Y'all are new to this league. Yeah, they ought to put the damn Ernie. thing in Atlanta and make them come here because that's like the central location now. Why, why not? What's wrong with that? Put it, it in can't, Atlanta. It can't get any big. I mean, I guess it could, but you don't need it to get any bigger. It's already the most no. covered media event in the in the country. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm with you, man. I think, I think we should, uh, first of all, like they, how they do media day or, um, spring meetings, they do it in Destin, Florida. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think they should do like a, like a mountain retreat or something for SEC media days. Either that or put it in like, uh, like Newberry. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> it's not like you're in like a premier place in you know Alabama or whatever. It's like you should do them in some like right like Picayune, Mississippi. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Maggie Valley. You know, like man, what are these boys doing around here? You know, something like that. I don't know. I I I, I didn't get a chance uh, yesterday to get into the Pat Fitzgerald stuff. I I, I have. I we, I talked to Bill about this this morning. The first question that I had when I saw this report yesterday was, okay, how much of this is absolute total hogwash? Because I'm not saying that um, that that anything that this guy or these, these, these players are saying happened didn't happen. I'm not saying that Coach Fitzgerald didn't know about it, although it certainly appears that he didn't. But, le- I mean – Let's use some common sense here just for a second, okay? And Tony Annan was on with us this morning, too, and I asked him this question, and thankfully I got a, a response I kind of expected. Every Did y'all see this? Every assistant coach at Northwestern is being retained, yeah. okay? Everyone is being retained. Well, all right, JC, you've been around college football for how long? Coaches, mm-hmm. all right, programs? Coaches, programs, you know, where there's hundreds of people involved. The only one is as egregious as all this stuff was that was supposed to know and that should be punished is Pat Fitzgerald. The assistant coaches generally know more than the head coach anyways. There is no way that anybody on the face of the planet, and I'm not talking about what happened or didn't happen. I'm talking about accountability. How on planet Earth, is this guy getting canned and run out of town in a 48-hour turn of action by a president who was just hired eight months ago and nobody else on the staff? Oh, no, they're all good. They can all stay. Well, did they know? Well, none of them knew about it, so they didn't have any responsibility to know about it either? That's yeah. bull because I've been in a college locker room, and I can tell you right now, assistant coaches hear a hell of a lot more than the head coach hears. The assistants – and the staffers are the eyes and ears for the head coach. So how is everybody else up there is safe? And I'm not saying one thing or another here. I mean, I tend to kind of be on Pat Fitzgerald's side a little bit more here just on how quickly everything is turned. But, again, I don't really know, so I'm you know, holding judgment on that. But, guys, how is everybody else on staff? Eh, they're fine. We don't have to investigate them. Nobody heard anything or saw anything. It's over. It's good. That makes sense, guys. It does not pass the smell test. No, I read that this morning. I thought that really did weaken the university's position. I'm like, you know, because it's because here's the reality of it, and we all know this. And it's like that 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 level of assistant, and then below that, like you know, GAs and things like that, offer levels of. Uh, to be just straight blunt, plausible deniability to the head coach, <laughs> you know, yeah. even if it, yeah. it, it, if something goes down like this and it's like, they could say, no, 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 that was my assistants knew that. And he didn't happen to say anything. And how could I know it? You know, and we, we've seen that play out too. in other scandals, I mean, and it's, I don't know. It's just interesting. I think somebody's like, you know, somebody just had to demand a head 
you know, but it, it's just a, a random. Mm, yeah, I, I, until I find out more about yeah, it. You'll hear you know, more than we do, JC. And I've got some comments about this uh, this Georgia thing, too. And I, I, hope our, I hope our listeners don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm on uh, I'm on Kirby's smart side with that. Um, and I, I'll tell you why here in a second. First of all, to touch on the Northwestern thing, uh, and this is why I don't call myself a journalist anymore. And it makes me sick to kind of think about it. And this is nothing against guys like David and Brad and our friends that we have here that do things the right way. I actually feel bad for them. The student newspaper interviewed somebody with an agenda that was not tough enough to take whatever happened. Now, those details are sickening. There's no place for that these days. Uh, it's not a boys will be boys thing. It's gross. Don't do it. It shouldn't be in the program. Yeah. But when you have someone that, that, you know, played football on the team last year that left, went in the portal because of playing time or whatever, and is going to be a little B and, and want, because he wants coach, coach Fitzgerald, who is Northwestern football. Keep this in mind. And this is not varsity blues. Right. Yeah. It's not, I don't want right. your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is Pat Fitzgerald. And, and I, we know some of the same people. He's from like where I live in Chicago. Uh, good person. You're a great coach. Good person. They didn't interview any of the one hundreds of, of players that have come through that have had an overwhelmingly positive experience uh, to even provide any balance for the story. They went and found a guy from 17 years ago that of course claims racism. Now I don't, I haven't lived his experience. Maybe he was racism. Some of the things were distasteful, whatever. But I don't think reporting these days is reporting anymore. It's about driving a narrative. It's about predetermined uh, facts and predetermined uh, you know, uh, structure of a story. Uh, and, and it's about attacking people. And that's bullshit. And that's why I hate, I, that's why I'm despised with journalism. It happens in politics too on both sides. And, and so, yeah, yeah. Everybody's sitting there jumping up and down saying, Oh, this student newspaper broke the story. Great. You know, super. If it's true and, f- and accurate and most importantly, fair, because fairness is accurate. You know, if it's fair, it's accurate. You can have all the facts you want. I can collect facts from here, there and yonder and, and, and sit there and, and make a, a casserole do narrative and make it happen. Um, so that's what I want to know. And until I know that, until I read something, some kind of balanced reporting or, or some source that doesn't have an agenda says, yeah, this went on, and then I'll get behind the firing. I don't think it needs to be fired, especially because an independent investigator came in and investigated and said, ah, well, you know, this was unfortunate, but he didn't know. Two weeks suspension. Let's clean it up. Let's move forward. Don't do it again. Uh, and then this little, you know, butt munch or whatever, uh, that played for him, that's mad at him for, for probably reasons other than this, he's going to take it to the next level and the student newspapers in cahoots with him because they want to be Johnny Journalist or Joe and Jamie yeah. Journalist or whatever. All right, so, so let's go to the AJC thing. I understand, and there's discussion in the chat box about this. I'm not even looking at the chat box right now. Uh, I understand Georgia's had a problem with kids speeding. I don't think that's deniable. Uh, Athens is a bad place to speed. Uh, I think... It's, yeah. It is a kids will be kids thing. Uh, I think, you know, you want to go drag racing. Uh, Northeast Georgia is not the place because it's hilly. It's curvy. Uh, we've all been there. 
Uh, I would not go that fast in Athens at all. And that's not to mention the cops will bust you. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I do think that's something that Kirby Smart's had to address with his programming to take their keys, whatever. If people want to criticize him for that, that's fine because there's a tragic loss of life, whatever. I get that. This narrative the guy from the AJC is pushing about the sexual assault and about Georgia rallying around sexual assault victim, uh, uh, perpetrators and stuff like that is a complete smear job. And here's why. Because if you re- and here's what George's point was when they held the press conference, uh, they, they they said, "Well, it was inaccurate. It, it was inaccurate because he selectively took quotes from the police report, and when you read those quotes that are in the article, you get a totally different sense of the story. He eliminated all the context that did not drive his personal narrative out of it, and let, it's like a it's like a lawyer, a prosecutor leaving out exculpatory evidence." They, they could help set uh, a defendant free or a guy defend himself. That's wrong. It's unethical. It's bad. Uh, and the in the Atlanta Journal Constitution, I don't know what time warp they're stuck in. This guy obviously is. But it, 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 newspapers are not media companies in general need to get off their hours. You're not powerful if you're not telling the truth. That's where your power came from. Mm-hmm. When you're pushing narratives just for the sake of it, because that's your personal belief. Oh, I personally believe Georgia's football program's out of control, and there's some, you know, Me Too or Title IX thing going on there where they abuse women or whatever. And then you selectively take quotes from a police report and whatever, and 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 make it seem and smear a young man and make it seem like Kirby Smart's not kicking the guys off the team, you know, and all that. I mean, two of those guys never enrolled at Georgia, ever. They were done with them. They cut them loose. You know, and you're going to say, you know, they cuddle, they, they, they rally around, whatever. And, and I just didn't appreciate that because I, I think, you know, what I was taught when I was in newspapers by the fairest of the fair, Mickey Johnson, the Marshall fan. Mickey Johnson did not, he, he wasn't worried about opinion. And, and he and I were not on the same side politically at all. But he just, he was obsessed with fairness. Those are Those are the people that belong in that industry, not these narrative pushers. And and I think the Atlanta journal constitution based on my intelligence and anybody's intelligence, you can ask Josh, Josh Pate, what he thought about it. based yeah. on my ability as an intelligent human being to read a police report and comprehend facts, you know, uh, yeah. it, 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 they, they need to just totally be shut down, sued, whatever you want. And I know you're not supposed to do that in the media, but it gets old when you have a publication that still, for whatever reason, has a voice pushing a false narrative based on selective information when they're supposed to be the damn guardians of the truth. Well, that's a great point. Well, I mean, and, and, and you know, these, and these things, they, <clears throat> they take on a life of their own and then they run. And we all know how the world works today. You know, you scroll. It's a scroll world, right? Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. You just see the, the the paraphrase. You just see a couple of things, and then that becomes fact, and then fact continues to go even though it's fiction, but it never slows down. And then the rest of the world is too scared to stand up and say something about it when it when it becomes this animal because of the sensitivity of everybody and losing our job and getting canceled and this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if you, if, if, 
it very well like Pat Fish, not to get off the AJC thing, Pat Fitzgerald might be totally innocent in this whole ordeal, might not have a clue about anything, but it's, you're going to be, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody who's able to stand up and just say, I am absolutely 100% period the end on board with Pat Fitzgerald, because if they do that, guess what? You're going to have a group of people out there and we see it every day who all of a sudden Pat Fitzgerald is racist and Pat Fitzgerald is sexist and he doesn't care about this, that, and the other. And none of it's true. And yeah. and so we're, we're left, the guys who should be handing the truth over, we're left having to fact check whether they are telling us the truth or not. And, and nobody even has time for that anymore because, again, we live in a scroll world. Yeah, it's just Agreed. ridiculous. I mean, you know, especially with that the student newspaper at Northwestern, it was like, okay, mission accomplished. You got your clicks, you got your traffic, and you know, I'm, I'm going to go to graduate school in Columbia now. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, oh right. great, super. Now, look, and, and I'll say this, and I said this. I, I'm not saying anything to you guys. I didn't say on the air in Tuscaloosa earlier today, and we did not get to it because we were talking about Forrest Gump with JC and Morgan. But I will get to it on that platform as well. Uh, and I told the fans. Look, I know, I know you don't like Georgia. Nobody, I mean, Georgia's going to be hated worse than Alabama ever was hated uh, because of their rise, and you get used to it. I know fans are going to pick at them and or whatnot, uh, and that's fine. But this goes beyond fandom because guess what? It could happen to your program. Did I say that in honor of Will Muschamp? Program that was perfectly executed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could happen to your program too. And, and by God, Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, no offense to anybody that works there now. You have a, 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 a newspaper there that for years before there was Gamecock Sports, their sole purpose was to antagonize not only the state government, but the city of Columbia and every institution within it. Uh, and, and, and for a while, you know, that serves purposes because back then you had corruption. You stuff, have corruption and stuff today. They do very little corruption uncovering these days and more gotcha journalism. Uh, and most newspapers, and that's what the AJC did. So, you know, I, I think that guy probably had a million different things he could have reported on, given that because he's not just he's not a sports reporter, he's an investigative reporter. Given the crap that goes on in the city of Atlanta, where they live, <laughs> uh, but you know, because of his worldview and his personal little feelings, he's going to go after Kirby Smart and Georgia football because he wants a scout. You know, and that that's that that's a psychopath. That's a sociopath, not a truth teller. Boom. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And, and Quantrell, I'm not saying that Pat Fitzgerald can't be questioned. That that wasn't the point of my initial uh no. you know, no, when no, we no, first no. started. Yeah, yeah. What mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that all this apparently was widespread and he should have known about it, but every other assistant is just totally safe on staff. And it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. Like I, I wait, 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 hold on just a second here. Like if this is some big ordeal how is there only one man in the whole building that should have known about everything but yet everybody else is just cut cut loose um it's just so, it's so, you know i, I th- so that I that right there that ain't over somebody said it earlier that the president might not be there long i don't think he will be and pat fitzgerald he's about to get he's gonna sue the pants off of him and um my gut tells me he's gonna win because yeah. they ain't gonna want this thing to stretch out they fired him they're not gonna want to defend themselves in court uh, and they're going to pay him and he's going to get money. And guess what? He's going to be coaching again soon. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. And remember, you know, I mean, the whole thing with Joe Paterno was you know, a blind eye to an assistant's doings. Right. Yeah. 
So again, it's that level underneath it that you know, and that that was would have you know, more direct knowledge of what's going on. Yeah, I'm not saying hazing is a good thing. I have been no, hazed no, no, before. No. It's it's you know it's. Um, we all have. You know, there's there there is some hazing. This kind of Tony Annan told a story this morning about how the Gamecock soccer team came up with their own hazing thing, which is if you show up late to practice, you have to wear your entire uniform to class, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, hey, <laughs> why are you in uniform? That's like the high school days when you wear your jersey on game day, except for they have their shin guards on and everything, <laughs> cleats. That's not hazing, though. That's like that's accountability in a fun way of don't be late or you're going to have to do that. But, you know, like the Paterno stuff, that was one of the sickest things in, in human in, in, that you can think of. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's a big difference between hazing and, you know, yeah. covering up illicit criminal activity. But And I've been on both sides of the hazing thing, too. So, I mean, I get it. Nobody Nobody yeah. likes to have, like, you know food and things rubbed on them in the morning, you know, in the middle of the summer and then have to live through it and can't shower until you get out or, you know, (laughs) or other more embarrassing situations that go on in institutions like that. 76 says real accountability is an issue uh, and everything. And, um, and people are so quick now, like just let's figure it out before we start arguing about things. But uh, yeah. that's the world we live in. Thanks to David Kloniger for spending a lot of time with us today. We had no intentions of him being here for an hour, but he was. If you missed it, we hope you'll go back and check it out. You're not going to miss us tomorrow either. Chris will uh, be jumping in, and we uh, certainly look forward to that as we continue to move towards the college football season. We'll be introducing many of those topics, and that train will be on the tracks. Chew, chew, MFR. For JC and Phil, we're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. It's the coolest club in the Carolinas. Those of you that are playing in the Plunder on Polly's uh, this upcoming weekend, I hope you win. If you win, I get a cut of it because we told you about it. 20%, 2000 yeah, that'd be fine. Make sure you head to TravelingCountryClub.com to join and play golf courses all over the place. Some of the best, coolest ones out there for dirt cheap. It is awesome. See you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios.